Excuse me, get that one out. Oh my. Yep. Whew. Clear them out. Hello, everyone. It's Sean Harwell. It's the Never Heard of It podcast. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks, and I'm not doing it by myself. It's December. Uh, we got a very special guest coming down the chimney right now. Please say hello, co-host Craig Moorhead, to everyone here. Hello, everyone here. This is co-host Craig Moorhead. Dressed like Santa. Dressed like Santa, as always. I like to get it get to it early. You know what I mean? I don't want to wait around until everyone else has their Christmas. I like to get all the Christmas for myself. I don't even think we can technically call this early anymore because, uh, as my daughter will happily and, and very adamantly tell you, we saw stuff for sale, Christmas trees for sale before Halloween this year. Yeah, that kind of kills it for me. That kind of kills it for me. No, no. What are they doing? Exactly. It kind of takes away all the fun of Christmas to me. If you start too early, you can't start Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving. That's how I feel. We're not even really starting Christmas stuff on this show until till next week. But anyway, yeah. Craig, Sean. tell the people where they can talk to us should they choose to do so. Or even just read about us. I will. Uh, you can read about us online. You know, go to Google. There's a new place I went to recently called DuckDuckGo. No, I've never yeah. heard of that. No, yeah, yeah. DuckDuckGo. It's like a search engine. Anyway, go there and, and type in Never Heard of It podcast and go about 20 down from, you know, the top of the list. And then there might be something that references us. And you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter. Our website, which is neverheardpodcast.com. Obviously, you found us, which I still find amazing. And you could be in so many different parts of the world, which I'm also amazed by. Amazing. just want to say hello to everyone who's listening. Thank you so much, uh, that uh, you keep coming back. Uh, I hope we're we're paying off for you. Yeah, and because it is December, I do feel like it's our duty to remind you at least once a month that there is another podcast with our name. Do not, under any circumstance, listen to that podcast. Okay. Yeah, just shun them. Um, don't publicly shame them if you have to. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get into. You know, I don't want anybody to harass anybody. They're fake news. But let's face it. An enemy of the people. And, you know, back in the day, this just would not have stood. Right. And the thing is, I mean, when you get massively popular, you have to... You have to expect this kind of stuff, you know? Kind of like the copycats. It's true, I guess. You know, and people are just... They look up to what you've accomplished, and they kind of want a little piece of it for themselves. So I don't really blame anybody, but, (sighs) you know... Yeah, fame. It's it's a real two-sided sword. Two-sided sword? Double-edged sword. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are there any swords that only has one side anyway um craig uh yes. aside from all this nonsense how you doing uh i'm doing great thank goodness yeah it's it's super cold outside but everyone on this end is healthy how about you uh there sean we're doing well we had we, we saw some actual snow we had a little dusting some flurries mm. have been spotted which meant there was a two-hour delay at school of course yeah. roads were fine <laughs> but yeah it got got pretty pretty nipply pretty nipply down nipply. here in Very North nipply. Carolina yes. which is obviously way colder than South Carolina so <sighs> like twice as but now we're cold. doing well man I'm excited to wrap up oh, excited is the wrong word I'm sad to wrap up our Filmstruck month here. This movie we're going to talk about today will be the last movie I saw on Filmstruck, unless it comes back 
in another form. If you've been looking around the interwebs, you know by now that the Criterion channel has announced they are going to launch their own streaming service, monthly subscription. You know the deal. That was baked into Filmstruck. If you haven't used Filmstruck or didn't get to, yeah, it was, it was a part of it. You could just easily click on the Criterion channel, and there you go. And looking at that, Craig, even that, just that, mm-hmm. I was like, there's 30 movies right in front of me I need oh, to watch. Yeah. I want to watch. Yeah. And so that's good news, and hopefully there'll be more good news with a lot of Warner's classic catalog here that was on Filmstruck and some of the newer stuff that they had, too. Maybe we'll make an appearance next year in a way that we'll all be happy with. That would be great. But if not, I think we're giving them a proper eulogy tonight, right? That's right. That's right. As only we can. We're going to talk about To Be or Not To Be, the 1942 movie. Hopefully you listen to the tee-up. If not, we'll give you some of the pertinent details in just a second. But first, Craig, let me ask. Mm. It hasn't been quite as long as as it sometimes happens between podcasts, but what else have you watched since the last time we talked, sir? Well, I'll tell you, I only watched one other movie besides this one tonight. It's one I'd been chasing for a long time, Sean. Oh, really? Is it Uh, Pet Cemetery 3? Pet Cemetery Three. No, with three uh, E's. Okay. <laughs> no, um, Truffaut's Day for Night. Oh yeah, okay. Which, I mean, given what it is, and and having now watched it, it's ridiculous. I had not watched that before. Now, that movie is just about just about everything that I love. Wow. Uh, I remember renting it a long time ago, and for some reason, not getting to it. Yeah. And I was like, well, now I finally have the chance. And even though there are 97 other movies that I also want to watch in the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm, this, is, this is it. I'm just going gonna, gonna to decide on this one. Yeah, so I saw that. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know what I can say that would ever add to the conversation of any of it, except that I now really love Jacqueline Bissett. I think that that movie, like, I think, I feel like I, want, I just want to watch that movie over uh, a bunch of more times. I, f- I feel like there's a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of layers there, a lot of, uh, and just a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff. But anyway, uh, day for night, it was magical. And how was the day for night uh, photography? Uh, not so good. No, not so good. No. Um, you think that'd be like yeah. the one thing they got right. right? No, I know. You know, you name it that, and then uh, and there you go. No, the day for night. Actually, what was the day for night shot? doesn't matter. The point is, Truffaut himself is kind of a wonderful comic foil. I love watching him walk around yeah. the set and people keep asking him ridiculous questions, which is so true. <laughs> Having been on the few film sets that I feel like I've been on, like so much of that still rang true. And it, was, it, it, it just sort of did my heart good that like, all that stuff has kind of been true for all time like that because that movie came out i think the year i was born 73 70 oh i thought it was 74 well regardless uh, i was probably born in 85, for parts so of the matter. world anyway yeah right but yeah um just uh man what a what a what a wonderful little movie what about you what did you watch this week well, I need to see that. I, I definitely am lacking in my Truffaut. I've had my eyes on a box set of his mm-hmm. Blu-rays that I think is uh, you can pick up in a, an Amazon UK with a bunch of good stuff. And I fell in love with Jules and Jim a couple years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a master. I like movies about movies, so why wouldn't I like that one, you know? Exactly. Uh, I need to check it out. But now, I, I, like you, didn't get a ton in. I watched uh, with, you know, nieces and nephews and my daughter over the Thanksgiving break. We watched the Lego Batman movie, which I had not seen, 
which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. I had also seen the Lego movie again recently with the same group of kids. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got to see Batman again, but I, I maybe prefer that one. I don't know. I might be one of the, the few that, that like that one a little bit better. But also watched the classic Jules Verne adaptation, Journey to the Center of the Earth. You oh. know it. Starring oh, Brendan the... Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Young Josh Hutcherson of Hunger Games fame. Very PETA, nice. yeah, didn't realize he was in that. One of my nephews pointed that out, and I was like, holy crap, you're right. <laughs> this movie's interesting, man, because it's 2008, and I think it was in that wave of movies that maybe was post-Avatar's monstrous success, where it felt like, we gotta have 3D. Oh, yeah. Watching it now, especially not in 3D, you're just like, oh, Yep, there's the shot they put in just for the 3D. <laughs> they, ooh, look, they just dropped a bunch of stuff in the extreme foreground, and uh, it, it doesn't quite hold up when you remove yeah. that layer of uh, depth, I guess. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It was, it was fine. It was interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I think that that's one of the fun things about older 3D movies where it was like, we really got to sell this 3D situation. I, I just remember, you know, Friday the 13th Part 3 is in 3D, and I've never seen it in 3D. I've only ever seen the 2D version. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's so like it's... everything's normal, <laughs> and then just every now and again, somebody's like pointing a finger in the, you know, where yeah. eyeballs are shooting out at your, you know. Which, like, you know, I think say what you will about Avatar, I don't remember a ton of stuff like that. I think James Cameron right. well, like, I, knew what I the hell that's... he was doing, you know. It's like, right. It, it, it's I think an that's what it was. Experience. Like, I, yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Avatar is the one where it was like, no, we're just going to make it immersive. Like, yeah. it's not so much that you're, you're jumping out of the way of stuff. Yeah. We'll it was an amazing it... experience seeing that. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's continue. Uh, the big one for me in the, you know, as far as like new movies in the past couple of weeks and, and months even was about a Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers movie that mm-hmm. uh, just dropped on Netflix. I'm not going to say too much about that as an anthology if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. And it seems like that's sort of uh, the common the common pulse here is that this thing is pretty damn good. I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And even in the first, you know, five minutes there, I was like, okay, what exactly are we getting here? But it, it, it's really, really good. There's some viciously brutal and inventive murder in this movie that, yeah. uh, of course, borders the fine line of comedy. So don't be surprised if you find yourself laughing at people getting killed in that. But uh, it, it's just wonderfully done. I? There's some great performances in that movie, too. So check that out. I do. I have to check it out. Uh, and last but not least, I watched The Bridge on the River Kwai, which I had to break up because this is a very long movie, the David Lean yeah. movie. And I don't know. Can we get in the weeds a little bit just, just on the technical side of this, Craig? Sure. I don't want to keep harping on this, but I got this movie on iTunes, on Apple TV. They got the 4K Dolby Vision, you know, updated version. I know there's yeah. a 4K disc of this. And I was kind of curious, like, okay, you know, is there, is there a certain point where these, like, older movies, are we just adding, like, multiple layers of, like, lipstick on this? Like, what are we doing here uh, as far as, like, these resolution bumps every few years? But this thing looks incredible like if this is what can be done with a classic film with 4k hdr i'm 100 on board uh you got to see this thing if you haven't Uh, it it just looks beautiful and to me it doesn't look like it's over processed it still looks like a movie of the era but it has so much depth to it and so much range and 
I don't know, man. Like that. God, we're so spoiled with. We are. <laughs> I got that movie for five bucks. I, I keep wondering, like, where does all this stuff go? I know you just got a projector, a relatively new one. Yeah. I've got one that's 10 years old now and hasn't had a working bulb in it for over a couple months. But I mean, Blu-ray and 1080 stuff looks fantastic projected, right? Yeah. I love it. I really think like <laughs> yeah. if if you're make if somebody will put me in charge of their television division, <laughs> I, I don't give a crap about 8K. I don't know that people care about that. Just make a really big TV set that's extremely light and extremely bright because I still think projectors like you got to have the right space for it. Yes. But like that's man, if you can present like movies like Bridge on the River Kwai that look like that on a hundred inch screen that you can just like roll up or easily just like hang on your wall and take off with one person, two people, maybe max not break your back. I mean, that is the promised land. I think, you know, yeah, size, not resolution at this point. And that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I recently found a a site called Capaholics. Okay. Now they sell baseball caps. They sell cat. Oh man, yeah. If you can't get enough baseball caps, no. Although, yeah, the the name doesn't really tell you everything about it. But Capaholics is a site where they take screen captures. Oh, okay. Of different editions of movies on disc, mm-hmm. from 4K down to DVD. So you can compare them. You can see what the differences are. You can see if there's a difference or not. For instance, I went on there and uh, I saw that they had. A bunch of breakfast clubs, you know? Yeah. And I, I have a breakfast club, but it's not the Criterion Breakfast Club. So I was oh, like, well, I, got the I wonder, breakfast club, yeah. I wonder, yeah, like what I'm, what I'm missing. And it turns out I'm literally not missing anything. Like those two look identical. Right. Yeah. Which I was like, great. So I'm, I'm missing the extras. Like that's basically what I'm missing. Yeah. But regardless, looking at that site, you're right. Like I do feel like for me, 4K matters because I want movies to look like they were shot on film mm-hmm. you know and and if there's some grain to it I, I i want as much detail as i can get exactly once you get to 8k i don't know i don't know what the difference is now because like looking at the screen captures of the 4k stuff you get real close in on the detail and it's like i don't think the photograph is better than that you know yeah like there's no aliasing or anything so um, no, i i totally agree i mean i think that the difference that i'm seeing with like 4k is it and I have a handful of movies that are just 4K without the HDR processing. And to me, those just like look like really good Blu-ray transfers. But the right. stuff that has HDR, you do really, really notice when there's stuff that's extremely bright and then there's stuff that's extremely dark. Like it, it yeah. just handles that stuff better. Yeah. And tip, if you do have an, uh, a TV set that does HDR, Adobe Vision, don't watch stuff without the lights off. Right. It makes a huge, huge difference, I've found. But anyway, just to tie this all back full circle, I also just watched in Bridge of River Kwai, two things I want to talk about, and then uh, we'll, I promise we'll get to the movie, but since my notes are scatterbrained on the movie, and I, I have a feeling we're just going to gush on this thing, maybe <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to spend a little time. God almighty, like, I was just thinking, uh, you know, film strokes going away, and watching the Bridge on the River Kwai, it really is. It feels like a, a big, big loss to me. And it makes me, I feel slightly concerned about the slippery slope of if movies like that aren't available in a streaming platform. And I don't mean iTunes because iTunes can't put everything that they have right in front of you, right? 
Like you got to know what you're looking for for the most part. And then they're all about new releases. And so was Netflix. And so was Amazon for the most part. Yeah. What is going to happen to these? Like kids aren't going to watch those movies. How are they going to know about them? How the hell are they going to know about Bridge on the River Kwai? It's an amazing movie. Well, and I think that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that there are people who don't want to dig through Netflix and find old weird stuff to watch. Right. Uh, but but I it's think hard that's, to do that, isn't it? it and it, it, it's, yeah. it's way too hard to do that. A lot of people aren't going to search stuff out. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who Filmstruck is for, in a way, aside from I know it's for me. I don't know if it's a, if it's a place that's going to get new converts. Like, there are always going to be a bunch of kids who are going to want to, like, learn about film. Yeah. And then there'll be a bunch who don't, you know? So But that's the thing is like if those curious kids can go do a, a, a week long free trial of Filmstruck, they're probably gonna love it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if those specific kids go looking for that stuff on Netflix, they're not gonna find it. And no. you know, we I really think and it, it totally is me sounding old man, but we had the video store and so we could walk around and just literally see those yeah. boxes with her eyes and the the artwork drew us in. We didn't sure. have to like and you don't necessarily like have that unless they're present in these streaming sites. Like you have to make that stuff appealing and uh, I don't know, just to go yeah. back to Journey to the Center of the Earth, like we landed on that, you know, there was a group of us watching that after. I mean, we scrolled through so many things just to find yeah. one thing like and I'm telling you, like if you're in the in the mind to to watch a classic movie and you hop on something like Film Structure that presents it in a nice way, you immediately find something you want to watch. Yeah, and I think the other thing about it is that worries me or it just sort of reminds me that with all the streaming stuff, at any moment, it could just go away. Yeah. I mean, market forces being what they are, like, it, that certainly seems ridiculous to think, like, tomorrow Netflix would be like, eh, we're shutting down. Like, probably not, but... But, but they could get yeah. bought out. They could but sell. They, they could get bought out. They could, as you're kind of pointing out, they could just decide that certain movies are like, eh, nobody watches these. Yeah. You know, and like, this is... So this is why I still buy stuff on disc. Because... Right. Filmstruck will disappear, but I still want to watch. I'm looking at my. I still want to watch The Jerk. And what if The Jerk was on Filmstruck? That wasn't a good example. But what if. Uh, well, what about The Brood? A, I don't know. And hey, The Breakfast Club is on Criterion, so you never know. Like stuff like that. Exactly. You can find those specialty places. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely am loving Apple TV and think streaming is, a, is a, certainly a viable, viable option, even if it's just for purchase like that yeah. or on demand. But yeah, I think there's absolute reason to worry about like access and, and the availability of, of some of these older movies. And they're important, as we're going to talk about when we talk about to be or not to be. Is that a segue? That's a great segue. I was going to I was going to pause for a musical interlude. <laughs> be or not to be is truly an outstanding motion picture an exciting romantic comedy keyed to an ever mounting tempo of suspense to be or not to be brings you the screen's beloved star carol lombard in the kind of role that won her the applause of millions and that mirth maker of the movies that casanova of the radio your favorite comedian jack benny in something entirely new something surprisingly different and it's hilarious all the way To Be or Not To Be is a swift-moving comedy melodrama 
enriched by the magic that sparkles in every Ernst Lubitsch production. It's the picture everyone will want to see. All right, Craig, to be or not to be, you know it well, man. It is the movie directed by Ernst, son of a Lubitsch, uh, from 1942. Uh, it was written by Melchior Lingio, as you pronounce better than I did. Oh, no, and, I think you uh, nailed it. Edwin Justice Mayer. You got Carol Lombard in uh, one of the lead roles as Maria Tura. You got Jack Benny as Joseph Tura, her poor husband, uh, Robert Stack, very young Robert Stack, plays Lieutenant Stanislav Sabinsky. Stanley Ridges plays Professor Seletsky. Sig Ruman plays Colonel Earhart. There's a great group of uh, supporting actors beyond mm-hmm. that. Uh, Tom Dugan, I want to point to here, plays Bronsky, who's frequently dressed as Hitler. Uh, Henry Victor plays Captain Schultz with, uh, I believe, an umlaut over his U. At least Mm -hmm. that's how it's pronounced. Uh, This is a movie that is about the Nazi occupation of Poland when an acting troupe becomes embroiled in a Polish soldier's efforts to track down a German spy. You recommended it. You've seen it several times, I believe. Yes. I had never seen it because I'm a bad, bad person. Yeah. You watched it again, Craig. Would you like to know what I thought first? I would. (laughs) I'll keep it quick and simple. I'm going to call it a ballsy masterpiece. How about that? Uh, that's that's a great way to describe it. Would yeah. that sufficiently describe your revisit of this movie? Absolutely. It's funny, you know, so the way I even knew that it existed was because I had seen the Mel Brooks version mm-hmm. on TV, only to find out that it was a remake of this one. And there are definitely fairly big differences, I think, in the ending, but... I haven't seen the Mel Brooks one in a long time, but um, I haven't either. Uh, they're both actually really good. Like, I mean, the Mel Brooks version has some of the best performances you'll see of any of those actors. Like Charles Durning, I think, and uh, Bernadette Peters. Oh, I love Charles. Is it Durning. Bernadette Peters, or is it? Uh, it's it, no, it's uh, Khan, Madeline Khan. Oh yeah, of course. Holy moly! Anyway, she's the best. But regardless, it's like that's how good this material is, and the reason I think that it sta- like it still holds up really well and a lot of it's very funny is because it still feels ballsy and i don't know if that's just because nazis are running the world again but <laughs> it just feels like like even now like some of that stuff is like oh damn like yeah absolutely wow all right like that's 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 we're, we're in that kind of movie and to think about the fact that they made this movie right they're gonna make fun of the nazis yeah and the nazis are already pretty bad but then, like, by the time they're, like, done shooting and they're at least in post, Pearl Harbor happens. We talked about this before. Pearl Harbor happens. So yeah. so America goes into the war. Carol Lombard dies in a plane crash. And then this comes out, like, a month after that. I, uh, I can't I even mean, imagine it. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, it was already going to set people on edge. Like, even if not, no Pearl Harbor or anything had happened. Like it was so, I don't know, it's, 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 a, it's a really amazing mix, an amazingly written movie because on the one hand, it's very flippant about it, which is very funny, very flippant about the Nazis, clearly hates Nazis, but is kind of flippant about it. And then on the other hand, it's incredibly heavy. 
I yeah. was just going to say that was the surprise to me based off of what I found in my segment of the tee up because mm-hmm. some of the reviews were so critical of it poking fun of the invasion of Poland. Yeah. When that finally happens in this movie, it felt powerful to me. And there's yeah. several moments like that where you feel the weight of what's at stake here and, and what's really happening. And so it's easy, obviously, for me to distance myself from that because I, yeah. I did not go We're all through very it. From it. Yeah. But it is hard for me to say, what, what about this scene? Like, didn't you watch this? Like, how did you not feel anything at the t- I mean, especially right. at the time and not recognize that there were those moments. Yeah, to me, yeah. that's that's one of the major strengths of it is it's such a funny comedy and it's and it's treating everything so lightly that when the Nazis invade Poland, like there's a whole scene with that where it feels like the movie turns on a dime almost. Like it's yeah. almost as if the cast of the movie is finding this news out. Right. And they're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> so that's always worked really well. And, and I'll, I'll stop mentioning the Mel Brooks version, but it's the same in that. Like that movie that movie should really be watched for its ending because the stuff I remember from the ending of that movie is some of the tensest, maybe not dark, but actually pretty dark. It's Nazis, but like very tense moments in that movie that that's so worth it. And I I, I gotta seek that out again because I want to watch that again now. Yeah, yeah. I would really like to. But even beyond that, I I'm there's absolutely no way that Mel Brooks didn't get a lot of his humor from this particular movie. I mean beyond the yes. remake. I mean there's moments yeah. in Blazing Saddles that I was thinking of. I was like, this is straight up the same kind of humor. Not yeah. not the fart scenes, not the campfire farts guys. No. That was all him. Yeah. There's other stuff. But, uh, I mean, to the ballsiness of it, let me, just one example. Because there's making fun of Nazis and sort mm-hmm. of the Inglorious Bastards version of where they're just over the top and you relev- you know, relish in watching them die, right? Right. And then there's this movie from right in the heart of the war where like 10 minutes into the movie where you don't know exactly what's going on, but people are dressed up like Nazis. And uh, Carol Lombard is talking to her husband. And she says, do you like my dress? Or no, she, he's, she's talking to the director, right? And he says, is that what you're going to wear to the concentration camp? And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, it just yeah. concentration camps are, are pretty much off limits as far as humor goes today, right? Yeah. They were not in this movie. No. I mean, the, the part of me, I'm sure, was just laughing at, like, the gutsiness of these jokes and stuff like that. There's a character, the Colonel Sh- – no, not Colonel Schultz. Um, Earhart? Yes, oh. Earhart. Yes, sorry. Yeah. The bug-eyed general. Yeah. Who just loving the fact that uh, he finds out that he's called uh, Concentration Camp Earhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I butchered that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I mean, I was just like watching this, like shaking my head. I was like, I cannot believe, cannot believe they went there with yeah. this in 42. <laughs> You, uh, you are going to tell your father who gave it to you, aren't you, Wilhelm? Sure, Fuhrer. And then uh, maybe he will like the Fuhrer a little better, won't he? Sure. He, uh, he doesn't like him now, does he, Wilhelm? No, he doesn't. Sometimes he even says funny things about him, doesn't he? Well, he said they named a brandy after Napoleon, and they made a herring out of Bismarck, and Hitler's going to end up as... A piece of cheese. Yes. Yes. How did you know? Well, it's a... It's a natural thought. Oh, a natural thought? Well, I, I hope you don't misunderstand. I, 
I always will. Well, that is, you see, we, 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 you see, Colonel, I, I hope you don't doubt my... Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Der Führer! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil myself. That's not in the script. It starts off immediately. You've got Jack Benny not being anyone other than Jack Benny mm -hmm. at all, but playing a Nazi soldier. And yeah, you don't know that it's a play yet. So you're starting cold, and you got you got these guys heiling and all that stuff, and then you got the actor comes in who's playing Hitler, who, who as far as you're concerned, it's Hitler. He looks so much Heil. like him. He's great. Yeah, that's... Uh... I'll find yeah, that guy's name in a second. Yeah. It was Tom Dugan, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Tom Dugan. He's so good. I love that guy. Yeah. And he comes in and and they say Heil Hitler and he says Heil myself. Which <laughs> which is funny anyway. Like yeah. it's it's so deadpan, so good. Mm -hmm. And then and then there's a big argument because the director is like, that's not funny. And mm -hmm. and uh you got another actor who's saying, Oh, like, you know, that's you know, that's it, it, it needs laughs or something like that, you know. Um, and you've got actor like stage actors arguing over what this should be, which in a way is kind of for me what takes the curse off of the movie in a way. Like, yeah. These are all people talking about it, it, in a way. It's kind of like, well, what does art need to be right now? Yep. You know, and and if this movie had been made after Pearl Harbor, maybe it would have it definitely would have been a hundred percent different. I don't know if it would have gotten made after Pearl Harbor. I don't know. I think it's yeah, it, it's a very good question, but um exactly what you're talking about. I, I found that fascinating. You know, you've got a director of this this acting troupe saying, No, 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 no. This, we're we're making a drama, damn it. Like this is this is the war. We're we're making something serious and like these guys like yeah. can't help but put humor into it. I mean, there's an incessant <laughs> string of Heil Hitler's I love. But um <laughs> I, I love that that just then escalates into like the you know the director of course is uh, he's not indecisive but he doesn't quite approve of of things the way they're being done he doesn't like the the look of of Tom Dugan's uh, Hitler costume and so you know he's yeah. like no I I look exactly like Hitler I'm gonna prove it and so he goes out on the street of Warsaw and you know everybody's like stopping like oh my god is that you think that's like they're, they're recognizing that hitler's walking through their street before the invasion has happened and instead it's just like oh are you so-and-so from the you know the actor so-and-so can i have your autograph there's like a little girl doing that and, yeah and, and like that's a great little payoff it's a great payoff even before all of that terrific narration i loved the narration and it, it yeah. almost like i mean it starts with just a great pace to it you know you're mm -hmm. seeing the streets of poland and you're hearing this narration of uh hitler being a vegetarian and is he gonna swallow poland and like how did this happen and uh it's got a uh it, that part the narration did remind me of like a, a radio comedy or a radio drama like it just like it felt like it bridged those two worlds kind of if you've ever listened to some of those yeah speaking of Filmstruck had, and I suspect it's probably on the Criterion disc of this, a great little like 30-minute radio comedy that Jack Benny did and Ernst Lubitsch appeared on. I think Greta Garbo was on it or something. It was, it was pretty funny. It was like he, Benny was calling Lubitsch to get him, uh, get Lubitsch to cast him into a movie, and Lubitsch like, you know, couldn't be bothered with him. Yeah. Very funny feature if you if you have the Criterion disc or ask, access to it. Anyway, back to the movie. Mm. I was also surprised by... I guess the amount of real estate that Carol Lombard got up front. 
Um, e- yeah. Even though knowing that, yes, yeah, she had top billing over it, it, it seemed like in, in a lot of the stuff that I found in the development of the movie that it was, you know, it was written specifically for Jack Benny and, and he was like the big draw of this thing. And then they had trouble casting that Maria role a little bit. But uh, I thought she was really good. I mean, I think that's a tough role. And, and I kept thinking about the actress who passed on it because, mm-hmm. you know, according to TCM, she just thought like she was playing the straight man to Jack Benny. I didn't yeah. get that vibe watching this movie. I mean, I felt like no. she has a lot of meat to chew, that she's got some good laughs. I mean, there's the entire length of the movie really hinges upon the fact that she's kind of narcissistic and <laughs> yeah. while she is married to Jack Benny. A bit philandering. Yeah, and she loves her husband. She's certainly willing to entertain the idea of being admired by anyone mm-hmm. who looks, you know, a little bit younger than him and maybe a little more handsome than him. And uh, <laughs> that was great. I was so happy that that never broke. Like that that was the... Yeah. Uh, which is a fun... I mean, again, that's like something you're putting on top of a uh, a Nazi invasion movie. Great. Great plot. Great plot. Oh, absolutely. What do you make of Lombard, though, watching her performance a couple times now? Well, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to be thought of as the straight man in that. Like, you're just someone who's there to react. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, she's got, I don't know, it, it seems like she's all she's got more screen time than, than Jack Benny does. Like I would bet she does, man. Yeah. She's got her, that entire subplot. She's got, she's got all these bits with Sabinski, and then she's got all these <laughs> bits with Seletsky. Yeah. And she's great. I mean, the, the comic timing is great. Like, she is... Awesome. And, 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 but she is the one, she has to be there because I feel like, I feel like a lot of the emotional turns, she anchors those. Yeah. Cause she, she rides both sides of the line, but like when they invade Poland, like she's told and we get her reaction and it brings everything down. And, and, and like Jack Benny remains completely narcissistic, which, which, which is so funny, you know? Yes. But yeah, but and so for that reason, we need her to be there. But but that's the thing; like, she's not just, she's not just window dressing. She's not just someone to bounce jokes off of at all. Right. I'm gonna give just the like kind of setup for all of that, like the relationship yeah. side of this plot here, because I do think it's really funny and it's really good. So yes, this is an acting troupe. You've got a husband and wife who are both lead actors and actress in this troupe. They've done Shakespeare. They were trying to do a play called Gestapo that got shut down after the invasion. was not necessarily a good idea to begin with, obviously, when half the the uh, troupe thought it was a comedy and the director thought it was a drama. But Maria Tura, Carol Lombard, is in her dressing room, and there's flowers, a large bouquet of flowers. And we find out that, you know, from Jack Benny, it's like, okay, this is like the third night in, the, in a row you're getting flowers. Like, who is he? This is ridiculous. She doesn't know. And we find out that's not entirely true but she sent a message from a young aviator a bomber robert stacks lieutenant sabinski and he's in the audience he's been every night and he's infatuated with her and he would love to meet her so she tells him sends word to him to get up and come to her dressing room while jack benny her husband is delivering the to be or not to be soliloquy (laughs) from (laughs) hamlet which a Brilliant tie-in to the title. I've always wondered why this movie was called that. You know, Mm -hmm. it certainly makes you think it's going to be about something other than what it is. But it's brilliant. That's a great title for this movie and the great use of it. And so 
when he gets up there and he launches into this soliloquy and like Benny plays it so perfectly, like it's directed so well too. Like he, he doesn't just launch into it. There's always like that dramatic pause where he's doing a bit of business and you're just like waiting for, I mean, this is the big speech from the from that play, right? right? Places, places quiet as a grave. Yes. Like it's just like, like he's got them in his hand. And so like, as (laughs) soon as he says to be or not, I mean, I don't even think he finishes that line. Robert Stack is on his feet and he's not even <laughs> in the second row. He's in like the in the second, second row. row. He's not on the aisle. He has to cross in front of like 15 people to get. It's hilarious. And like, it's, it's so good. Shot so well. And you're, you're just watching Jack Benny watch him leave. He's like, what the hell is this guy doing? He like raises yeah. his voice, especially when it happens again, like the next night. You know, it's crazy. But what I was getting to was what we learned from Robert Stack is that who Maria is, is also a sort of classic actor narcissist and the fact that mm-hmm. he keeps bringing up these things that she's mentioned in interviews about, you know, like just, just, she just really wants to settle down on a, with a tractor on a farm and she's got a goldfish. And when he brings these things up, it is clear that she does not remember having said them and that they are complete lies. <laughs> She's just made up an entire personality for the public to devour. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's great. Like, it's easy to digest even, uh, well, especially now, I think, because of, you know, the celebrity culture that surrounds a lot of these actors and stuff. Yeah. You know, so that's the rub. It's, it's how much does she like Robert Stack? How much does Jack Benny know or needs to know or will know? And they somehow managed to take that setup and interweave it into this like spy story about a professor who's been in England, although he is a Pole, who is coming back to Warsaw and is actually a spy over the Nazis and gets a hold of information that will probably lead to the death or at least sentencing to concentration camps of like all these pilots, including Sabinsky, all their families. Sabinsky, in the one meeting he has with Selecki and finds out that Selecki's going back to Warsaw and they've been stationed in England for a long time. They're all homesick and wondering what's happened to their families. Stack is wondering what's happened to Maria Tura. So he sends the message, will you just tell Maria Tura, I said, to be or not to be, and she'll know what it means. Now, Maria Tura being an actress and being Carol Lombard specifically, as soon as she meets up with Selecki, he he's, of course, like <laughs> a lecherous son of a bitch and is all over mm-hmm. her, right? And just, you know, is trying to use his power to convince her to be a spy and that he can make life comfortable for her if she'll just kind of go along with the flow, which means go along with a sexual relationship that is more than heavily implied there. Yes. Again, it's just kind of a wonderful balancing act of all those like disparate pieces. And there is a portion of that that kind of leaves Jack Benny behind. I was surprised that we were following Robert Stack's lieutenant away from the entire country of Poland. I, I didn't expect to see him in a scene outside of one with Carol Lombard or Jack Benny, but we do. Yeah. And then we see quite a few scenes with Carol Lombard without Jack Benny or, or either one of them. And, man, it's just some really good plotting. And, of course, there's great jokes along the way. It is really interesting, like, the the structure of the whole movie. Like, I don't think I would be as forgiving 
I don't know. It was something I was thinking about a lot where it was like exactly that kind of thing where all of a sudden you jump to, you know, Stack with all his uh, pilot buddies and they're like singing songs with Professor Siletsky. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, wait, who? What? Yeah. Like, why? Where are we now? But I don't know. Without having to explain all of that stuff, it still just works. It's still just giving you what you want in terms of you're getting jokes you're getting the info and it's becoming more interesting and this plot is it's like really complicated like it it's is. there's a lot of moving parts and i mean it it goes in directions that are compl- from from the beginning you would not ever see like it didn't seem like oh that's going to happen well and let me be the first to compliment Please. Ernst Lubitsch because i mean he handles the flow between these things so so well yeah. I mean, I was thinking of the reveal that Seletsky might not be who we thought he was initially and that yeah. Robert Stack is onto this and he presents this to his superiors and then he's sent off to go stop Seletsky in Poland because mm-hmm. if he gets this information to the Germans, that could be very, very bad news for Poland. He gets in a plane, he jumps out of a plane. I mean, like all that stuff is handled like straight out of a war movie. I mean, like it, yeah. it looks amazing. Like there's some nighttime cinematography of like running around in snow, which might have been shot on a sound stage, but man, it does not look like it. And I mean, even if it is, like it is a it was a lot of effort. It is put so in for sure. good looking. Like there's yeah. really nice looking stuff there. And even there's like little details where Robert Stack is hiding a picture of Seletsky in the heel of his boot. And, you know, right. he takes the heel off. And like, I was like, I feel like I've seen that before in movies since then. And I was like, that's just a nice little spy move, right? Yeah. That makes its way into a, a book in a bookstore that Maria knows to ask for and all this. I mean, it's just it just has those elements that work on their own without the comedy. Um, yeah. And I feel like if that stuff isn't strong, oh, man, this movie is so much less than what it is, right? Yeah. Now then, I want to talk about like Jack Benny's sort of reintroduction to the plot in the last half of this movie because a it's just so good, and then he he really does get his moment to shine here, many many moments. But I loved how he kind of came to find out what's going on here. You know, he comes home, and of course, this being 1942, instead of like having a bed that he and his wife share, they've got two singles, right? Like two twin right. beds, just like me and my wife. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but. And Robert Stack is in one of those beds. And like Jack Benny's like looking at him. And he walks away and he comes back and looks at him. He's asleep. He's like, what the hell? And then he just stands to the side. And I was like, what is he doing? And he's like, to be or not to be? And Robert Stack immediately gets up out of bed. <laughs> That's such a good joke. Like that is, is a it is. great it is. A joke. It was so good. You know, Robert Stack at this point is, is very, very earnest and has earnest ambitions. Like, he's got a, a real mission, and, like, what he's doing is important, and he does need to stop that, and he's focused on the right thing, but it does involve Maria. But Jack, being a husband, and, you know, yeah, probably puts himself before his country, at least at this point, mm-hmm. is like, hang on, I don't understand any of this, and I'll decide, there was a line, he says, I'll decide who my wife is going to have dinner with and who she's going to kill, you know, because at this yeah. point <laughs> they've decided, there's already a plot in, in place that, she, you know, she's supposed to go kill Seletsky. It was just great because, like, introducing, he's not an idiot, but he's uninformed. Mm-hmm. 
And like, sure. that, like that's enough. Like if you introduced someone who doesn't know what the hell is going on into the middle of this plot, which we've already established has yeah. huge consequences and actual stakes. It feels like it's hard to go wrong. I mean, I'm sure I could screw it up many times over. <laughs> but man, uh, again, like that's the plotting of it is, is so good. Like that was such a good decision, even though I was sitting there watching, wondering, where, where's Jack Benny? Where's Jack Benny? Um, yeah, well, and let me ask you this as a newcomer to this very old movie. I mean, how do you feel about the turn of, we got a, a narcissistic actor, who finds a man in bed in his in, in, in his apartment and when he finally is able to confront his wife and the man, the scene ends by him saying, All right, I'll kill the Nazi spy. It's a stretch. It's not something we'd probably see play out exactly like that in a movie today. Right. Here's the thing, like it works for me and I and I don't know. I don't know if I would uh, if I would give that much leeway to a different movie. Like I already know that I love this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out because it feels like even a slightly lesser movie. I would say uh, no, he's not going to just say he's going to kill him. Like yeah. he needs some something more than that. But here's why it works. Why? Because Jack Benny has had his masculinity tested. And if he has to kill somebody <laughs> just to get one up True. on these two possible cheaters. Then by God, that's what he's going to do. Also, the way he plays it felt consistent with his just being slightly agitated by everything. <laughs> yeah. Like it was almost a point of just resignment. Like, oh, f- fine. Yes. I'll kill him. Yeah. Well, and that was my thing. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, does it just work because it's kind of funny? I, I think like it does. It's kind of I mean, yeah. funny for him to do that. And so, and so then that's fine. And it really, at the end of the day, it does... It redeems him in the audience's eye, if not Maria's eye. Right. And I, again, I like I said, I love that their relationship never quite changes by the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. She's probably still the same a little bit, and he's probably still the same. But I don't think of him as this guy who's just obsessed with what other people think of him as an actor, right? Like right. He, he right. has done something worthwhile, you know? Yeah. At a terrible time. So I mean, you got to have that, I think, for that character. No, absolutely. So I think it works. So, so now, Sean. So now they hatch a pretty good plot. Yeah. This bunch of actors and, and one British uh, pilot mm-hmm. who's in the Polish division. I was trying to get... Actually, pause. Did it ever bother you that most of our cast doesn't seem remotely Polish? Didn't bother me at all. And uh, okay. it was one of the things I absolutely loved about the death of Stalin, which came out mm-hmm. this year, which is about a very serious subject from the war as well. And there was no attempt to play Russian accents. And I, uh, for comedy, like that absolutely works for me. Right. Maybe it just adds to the sort of like farcical nature of it. But I don't know. Like here, like I, we we're talking about it. There are moments that do have weight to them, and do have yeah. emotion to them. And I, did nothing about the fact that Jack Benny clearly is not uh, speaking with a Polish accent took me out of those moments. That's interesting. I, I bring that up because there was at least a time where I assumed that this was an American theater troupe in Poland. 
That's interesting. Like, I remember there being the thing, of, oh, yeah, well, they're Americans, and that's, that's fine, they're in Poland, and they're doing this stuff. But then as it goes along, it's like, oh, no, 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 they're, like, they're talking about how, you know, this is their country and how... I don't know. It was an interesting, interesting uh, uh, thing. I just, I yeah. I think the fact that Robert Stack plays uh, a pole, you know, who's Savinsky, like to me, it's like okay, because he's not an actor in this troupe. This is okay. Obviously, nobody's. I I did think about it during the movie that the the fact that nobody was doing a Polish accent, and I don't know. I just I think it works fine. I mean, I think you run the risk of losing some of that comedic mojo that these actors have and they're and sure. like jack benny's voice just brings something funny to it you know and i don't know oh yeah if you lose that uh if he's doing an accent um i think it also just kind of helps you as an audience recognize that okay i'm not supposed to take this entirely serious like you know right. uh, yeah it's a war and they're making <laughs> they're making concentration camp jokes but clearly these people are not polish so i can distance yeah. myself a little bit from that maybe I don't know. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Did they do accents in the in the Mel Brooks movie? I can't remember. They didn't do accents, but again, it's been it's been a lot longer since I've seen that. So I can't remember if they were an American troupe, although I don't know why they would have changed it for that one. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was that was one thing that I could see being potentially confusing to newer, younger viewers, maybe. Yeah. You get over um, get over it, Young's. Yeah, sorry. In our American movies, <laughs> Polish people sound like American people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't afford accent lessons. No. Uh, but let, let's do talk about like the plot of that last half because it, it is really good and really funny. I mean... It gets really fun. Yeah, huh? it's like... Uh, and I don't even know why it didn't occur to me watching this that, of course, they're going to use the entire acting troupe to pretend to be Nazis. They've already got the damn costumes. <laughs> We've already yeah. established that this guy looks exactly like Hitler. I want to point out a few little specific things that I thought were nice touches in this plot here. I really liked that, you know, Maria goes back to Soletsky and by all intents and purposes, she's there to kind of sleep with him or, or have this, this moment of intimacy before he has to leave. But um, he gets called away and prior to that, she's had some conversation about how she can tell everything she needs to know about a man from their handwriting. So she gets him to write his signature down, and she's, like, making some sort of comment about, oh, the way you do your S tells me everything I need to know, or whatever it was. Yeah. And I was just like, well, this is kind of weird. What are they doing? Uh, but once he leaves the room, she uses that signature to then write a, uh, a suicide note. Like, she does the rest of it with a typewriter and leaves it on a pillow. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat little little trick there. I didn't know where they were going with that. And then there's a couple little moments after that where you've got these troops coming in. And I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't recognize that that was the acting group initially. Yeah. You know, so th- no. they're they're taking Soletsky out of there. And uh, I was like, okay, well, they're going to go see Captain Earhart, as they're saying. Colonel Earhart, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, oh, you colonels out there. And they're taking to see him, and I'm like, okay, so we're, we're following this instead of staying with Lombard. It's interesting. And they just tore a poster off of the side of a building 
And then they go in and say, oh, okay, this is a theater. Oh, oh, okay. And then there's all the Heil Hitlers, and they're overreacting to certain things, and they're really <laughs> trying to sell their parts extra hard, and one of yeah. them's going way too far with how much he's laughing. <laughs> and oh, I love this stuff. God, I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. it. It was also a, a kind of a gag at the beginning, mm-hmm. and it worked every time for me. Anytime any of those guys got flustered, when they were like playing Nazis or something, the only thing they could think to do was Heil Hitler. Yeah, exactly. And that would that would smooth everything over. And and I mean, worked on me every time. Absolutely. And that got extended to Jack Benny then pretending to be this Colonel Earhart, whose name we've seen plastered on all the notices, all the Nazi notices about you will be shot if you're seen doing this. You will be sent to a con- you know, all those terrible things that were posted in these cities. So Benny is pretending to be this guy and like, you know, he's an actor. He's supposed to be able to improvise. And like all he can think to do is say, so they call me concentration camp colonel, you know, <laughs> like over and over. And, uh, you know, Seletsky so is like clearly catching on that something's not right. And he calls Jack Benny out on that and, you know, recognizes that he's pretending to be someone he's not. And he tries to make a break for it, but he goes, or I, I didn't quite understand that, actually. It seems like he went through the door into the main theater where I would have mm-hmm. thought he would have expected there would be other people. But at any rate, he goes in with a gun, so maybe he just thought he was going to shoot his way out of there. Yeah. Um, but instead, you've got this other troop of actors, and now they're forced into action. Like the Selecki guy is coming in and shooting, and we don't see all of it initially, but we do. There's a great shot of, yeah. was it Selecki crawling uh, on the aisle between the rows of seats in that theater? It just looked beautiful. Um, yeah, there's actually a bunch of really cool shots oh, in there. Man. They have somebody with a spotlight, like looking, yeah. you know, shining it down and everyone's like crawling all over the place. A lot of really great shots in that sequence. And then you hear a gunshot Mm -hmm. and the curtains open and there's Seletsky and he falls to the ground. Yeah. And he dies on stage. Yeah. And it's a great death. I mean, that again is just like, Whoa, I'm just getting punched in the gut here with this moment of uh, kind of like seriousness through all of this. I thought it was really good. I mean, that was really, really good. And then Jack Benny, after this, takes on the guise of Seletsky. And it's cast really, really well because he looks strikingly like him. Uh, yes. When he dons the goatee and he does his hair differently and he has a different set of glasses. And so he goes into you know the hotel where the, the German soldiers are stationed. And he's pretending to be Seletsky. And he, <laughs> even in those moments, like... You know, at this point, he is just fully pissed and convinced that Maria is having an affair with Robert Stack, right? And so, yeah. you know, she comes up in conversation with uh, the real Colonel Earhart, and, like, he just he can't help but get in a couple digs about Maria. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they also, I mean, they just have the running gag. Like, anytime Maria is mentioned, then someone asks also about, you know, well, what about Joseph Tura, her husband and national treasure of an actor? And like, nobody is. Surely you've heard of yes, him. Yes, nobody's heard of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they don't. I mean, mm-hmm. a great gag. Yeah. Like, like and, and, and mainly, I think, because of Benny's delivery. So good, yeah. Like, and it's so good. And, and, and also, I mean, for the same reason that, you know, for the same reason that so much, like, the, the to be or not to be scenes where Stack would like walk out of the show when he's saying to be or not to be like, 
why that also works so well is like you know how egotistical he is. Yeah. You know how badly he needs that validation. Oh, yeah. And uh and man, he does not get it. <laughs> it's it's so good. Yeah, I'm looking here at my notes and I think it was when they were talking about Joseph Tura, Jack Bean was doing that with Earhart. Earhart like shakes his head and was like Ugh. What he did to Shakespeare is what we're doing to Poland. And it's just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like that's, oh, man, that's oh, a man. Rough, yeah. rough joke. Um, it is. Another great line I really liked was, uh, there's a moment where Jack Benny does get a second with Maria. And I can't remember if it was in that, I think it was in that hotel room, because that's where she's been left after uh, Soletsky left the room. He says to her, if I don't come back, I forgive everything you did with Sabinsky. If I do, it's a different story. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, that's great. Like, he's just not going to let that go. And then, <laughs> and then there's a moment later where she reconnects with Sabinsky and asks something about, like, where's, where's Joseph? And he says, no, he, like, he came in, uh, he just rushed in, punched me in the jaw, and then left. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, oh, man, what a great, like, that's like a 20 second scene, right? It like, is. it's just, that's all it's there for. And, uh, so good. That, I'm telling you, when you there's there are times when show don't tell is the exact opposite. Like that's one of those moments yeah. where we don't see that scene and it's so much better because it's just, yes. <laughs> just him telling that is like hilarious, you know. <laughs> but did you notice there's a a moment where I don't know what you would call this guy, one of the Nazi soldiers is stationed at a desk and like he's sort of in charge of like checking in whoever's coming in and out of his hotel. And there's a list and Maria's name is on it and underneath it it said Schindler. I don't believe it had a oh. first name or not. But uh, No, I, I didn't. Like, oh, okay. Interesting. There's a list, and Schindler's on it. But I, I don't know. I, I wondered if, if that was even like a note, like if Oscar Schindler's name was, was bandied about at that particular moment in time or not. Yeah, I don't know. It may just be a weird coincidence. And then I think we sort of get into the beard section of the movie. <laughs> oh, man. How good is this? So what happens is Maria goes to meet with the real Earhart, who tells her, because the last time we saw Seletsky, he was saying, or the last time we saw the fake Seletsky, we saw Tura saying that he needed to get Maria on a plane with him so they could go to London and do something that would help. Mm-hmm. Like, like just trying to get out of there. And uh, Earhart's like, I don't know, I'll try try to see what I can do. Anyway, so he calls Maria back to, to tell Maria that Seletsky is dead. Now, of course, she's like, at first terrified because she thinks maybe he's talking about Joseph Turner. Right. I mean, again, a lot of layers, a lot of things happening. Oh Every, God, everything yeah. that anyone is saying means something different to somebody else, which is so, so great yeah. and just keeps this movie like moving so fast. But so then she realizes that he's talking about the real Seletsky because they found the real Seletsky's body in the theater, I guess. Yeah. So the Nazis now know that he's dead, that he's dead. And then, and she's like, Oh no, I got to go warn him. But before he can be warned, Jack Benny has already, like, calls on Earhart, basically. Yeah. And they're like, uh, okay, so he must be an <laughs> imposter. So shocked. Yeah. That scene is so, so good. Earhart, who, uh, again, is such a fantastic role and is so well cast mm-hmm. because this guy has to go from between sort of authoritarian arrogance and just completely flustered, like like the table is just constantly being turned on him. Yeah, and he's the most cartoonish, I think, of 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, just go look up Sig Ruman, R-U-M-A-N, on IMDb, and look at the picture of his ass. <laughs> like, you'll know yeah. exactly. And he's he's actually German. I see here. He he was born. Yeah, in yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, and his, yeah, his work here is 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 so critical mm-hmm. to to these scenes. But anyway, so Joseph Tura comes back as Seletsky, and Earhart's there to meet him, and Earhart's. Very like in in a very smug mood. Yes. There are a bunch of other Nazis around. But they're jovial too. Like they're <laughs> like they're not letting on exactly, but they're all happy. And so he sends Joseph into the next room. He says, "Hey, could you wait in the next room for me? I'll be with you in just a second. And he Selecki says, "You know, Tura Selecki says, "Okay, no problem." So he goes in the next room, and <laughs> it takes him way too long to realize. So good, yeah. That wait is is <laughs> crucial. Yeah. It's just great that the real Seletsky's corpse <laughs> is sitting in a chair yeah. in the room. Which, again, 1942, you've got a scene built around the fact that there's a corpse in a room yeah. with a guy and Nazis right outside the room, and it's a comedy. I mean, right? yeah. I mean, there's no other way it's going to go for this guy. Right. Yeah, we're looking at total murder, and this is uh, this is one of your funnier movies of all time. So, of course... He has to think fast. Mm-hmm. You see that he pulls a beard out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he rushes to the bathroom where he finds a straight razor. Again, in a lesser movie, I would never forgive any of this. Right. It's just like, come on. But this, it's so good. It's so perfect. I so mean, he's an actor. He lost his mustache earlier. You know, these things. They, right. They've, uh, they've at least set up those, those kind of things, right? To yeah. To make this gag work. So, yeah. So you, it's, it's got a good amount of tension. But then the next thing you see... Tura goes out, as Seletsky, goes out and asks Earhart, will, will it be much longer? And Earhart's like, well, uh, oh, no, I, I think he comes out and says, uh, I'm afraid uh, there's a dead person yeah. in the room, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, no, really? So they go in. Again, Earhart's just enjoying every moment of this. He can't wait for the final reveal. They're just waiting for Benny to crack. Right. And Benny is cool as a cucumber yeah. the whole time. And I, I don't know. Again, another wonderfully written scene that leads Colonel Earhart to tugging on the corpse's beard to prove that it's really Seletsky and pulling the beard off. I mean, that's what the whole thing hinges it's on. Amazing, yeah. That the way that is set up and pays off. Yeah. Is there's it's it's airtight. It works as to a me. plot it's beat. Like absolutely. Airtight. Yeah, it absolutely works as a plot beat. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so he pulls it off, and then of course he's he goes into flustered mode, and he starts blaming other Nazis. Yes. Best line, one of my favorite lines is, "Here's a man with a beard, and you didn't even pull it." <laughs> great. And then and then Benny even pushes it, where he's just like, he's like, "Hey, do you maybe you'd like to pull my beard?" And Earhart's like, "No, no, 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 no! Uh, you don't have to say uh, that. Come on, yeah, yeah." But it's all turned out exactly right, and then actors storm in as as a different team of nazis because uh see that that's how complicated the movie is we didn't even set this up really no maria has gone back to the troop of actors to say the nazis know seletsky's dead you gotta go say where is yeah. joseph and they're like he's at seletsky he's going to meet Earhart. <laughs> yeah so then this is this is what they figured out they come they bust in and they grab seletsky and they pull his beard off which even further <laughs> Yeah, now he's completely confused about who is who. Yeah, (laughs) and they and they and they pull him out of there as if as if he's been arrested by Nazis. 
I mean, so much goodness is, is going on here. And then, I mean, even just a little beats right after that, we've got a pilot, so they're going to get the hell out of Dodge. They're going to fly to England or somewhere, and they get on the plane, but it's a German plane. And, of course, you've got your little character actor, Tom Dugan, who was going to play Hitler in the Gestapo play that they wanted to do. He's on the plane, <laughs> and he just tells these guys, he's like, jump out of the plane. Like, how Hitler? And they jump out. Like, oh, both my of, God. It's just great. Like, just... Both times they jump out of the plane, yeah, and they do it. And so they're they're rid of all the Germans and they make their escape. I love the moment where, you know, Jack Benny sort of permits Robert Stack to say goodbye to Maria, uh, to Carol Lombard. Yeah. And so, like, he steps aside and then, you know, Robert Stack is kind of giving this, like, heartfelt goodbye and maybe they'll see each other. I don't remember exactly what it said, but, like, slowly Jack Benny just kind of creeps back in. <laughs> into sort of listening to their conversation and being right there <laughs> played perfectly is like just a great little beat it's so good. i mean the death of of Earhart, um it is implied that it you know he commits suicide behind closed door i can't remember exactly what was the well you know yeah well that that's because he he's there with maria in her apartment uh-huh. coming on to her and then bronsky shows up dressed like adolf because they're gonna make their oh, escape right 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 yeah but of course, Earhart believes that's really Hitler uh-huh. and that now Maria Tura is Hitler's girl. Yeah. And every time he even says a cross word about Hitler, he's like totally terrified. Mm-hmm. Totally ballsy that they have the door closes as Maria runs out and you hear a gunshot. But I think he he messes that up even. Well, yeah. <laughs> Does, doesn't he yell for well, Schultz I again mean, or something? He goes, oh, you just hear that. And then he goes, Schultz, you know, which... Yeah. <laughs> That's the like uh, captain that he's been yelling at the entire movie. Um, so yeah, good. Just very dark oh, stuff. Oh, totally dark. Uh, yeah. Now we did skip over a good amount of stuff there at the end, and and I think I want to skip over it. I think I think I'm going to skip over yeah. it, unless you had something you want to go back for, because I want to leave something for people, because there are some really amazing nuggets in there. Okay, if you don't want to know the final beat of the moment of the movie, stop right now and come back in for two seconds. But man. I mean, what a great thing to kind of end on. They're in England, I think, or wherever they escape to. You know, what do you want for this act of heroism? He wants to play Hamlet. He wants to play Hamlet. So, of course, Jack Benny's back up on stage as Hamlet, the packed house. And he takes his time to launch into to be or not to be. And Robert Stack is there, but Robert Stack doesn't get up, but somebody else does. (laughs) In the in yep. the second row, and then makes his exit the same way. He's like, "You gotta be kidding me!" You know, and uh, just great, just great. Uh, I didn't even, I mean, I didn't really even see that coming, but it was so obvious of a thing to end. Yeah, on. I really, really love that. Uh, the only other little thing I wanted to mention was the character of Greenberg, who was played by uh, Felix yep. Brassart, who is sort. He, I, I think, is the only one really doing a Polish accent, I believe. But but Probably, he's yeah. sort of like this. Uh, sad sack of a guy more or less I mean but you know he's always sort of jockeying that he would make a great Shylock and uh, it's clear that he's not getting those parts in his current troop but he's always doing the uh, if you prick us do we not bleed speech which again man they set that up and then there's that moment where it's like oh I understand why this is in this and it carries some weight when you put it in the context of what Germany is doing to their people. I love that little runner with him, and I loved his performance. That was really good. But uh, that, that's it for me. I don't know. Anything else like that we didn't talk about that you want to mention briefly, or just uh, we'll leave the rest for the people? 
No, I think we'll leave it. I think we'll leave it for the for the people. Yeah, I think that's it's the fair. people's movie. But if you enjoyed this discussion and think you will enjoy this movie, then I can yeah. almost guarantee that you will. Yeah, you will like it more than uh, 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 our talk, probably. I would hope so. Definitely yeah. more than getting punched in the face. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. Go find that Criterion disc. I think that's the version you want to watch. I thought this thing looked fantastic when it was streaming on uh, Filmstruck. Sadly, that's not an option, but I think there's a, a, a treasure trove of special features to dig into there, which I only got into a few of them. I think it's good stuff. You'll want to probably check some of those out. So go find it. Definitely right or wrong if you have not seen this yet. I'm going to try to watch the Mel Brooks version sometime in the next calendar year, Craig. Yeah. Oh, man, you'll be glad you did. All right, you want to you give us some last words here? Uh, if you tickle us, do we not laugh? I'm laughing right now. I am laughing right now. That's great. Thank you. Come back next time. We're going to launch into a little multi-segment thing to round out the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be holiday-themed. We'll see you then. See you then, everybody. Bye.